Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontifrac. Today, holy smokes, what a special guest, Tiffany Bova. <laughs> Tiffany, hello. Tiffany is the uh, chief growth evangelist at Salesforce. She's the author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Growth IQ, Get Smarter About the Choices That Will Make or Break Your Business. She's the host of the What's Next podcast with Tiffany Bova, very celebrated keynote speaker, member of the Thinker's 50 list. Tiffany inspires people to think forward, be bold, and take action. Tiffany is a top Twitter influencer, was named one of Inc. Magazine's 37 sales experts you need to follow on Twitter, a LinkedIn top sales expert to follow, a top 100 women in tech, and one of the most powerful and influential women in California. Prior to working with Salesforce, she served <laughs> as a distinguished analyst and research fellow for Gartner. There, she won the Thought Leadership Award and earned accolades for a cutting-edge analysis and her skill at architecting bold new strategies for sales and growth. Bova's experience combined with, a cand with candor results in a unique perspective businesses need and people want to increase their growth IQ. Tiffany, so, so great to see you. Thanks for doing this. Let's, um, let's level set first. So these days, uh, in terms of your realm with uh, customer experience, how do you define customer experience? Because I know you've said before many times, it's not price. Uh, it's not the business secret to gaining competitive advantages through price, but what is customer experience? Well, Dan, first, thank you for having me. Uh, I would I would say the following. I, I think that what definition you land on that you hear from the outside is interesting, but what is your company's definition of a really great customer experience? I, I think it has to balance sort of what the aspiration is. So an external definition that Dan and I might give you, right? For me, it's the combination of every single touch point a customer has with a company. And it could be the products and services they use, could be the website, could be the chat bot, could be the human, the service rep, right? The sales rep, um, all kinds of ways in which brands uh, touch a customer, even the receptionist, right? I, I, mm. How the cleaning crew, how clean the offices are. I mean, everything plays a part. But I've, I've really tried to flip that question now when clients ask me, how do you define customer experience? What's a good one? I usually now say, what's your definition of a good customer experience? Because you may start to see some narrowness in what they say, um, where they're not starting to look at it more broadly. Um, they may be too broad, uh, you know, or they may have different definitions based on which executive is answering the question. And so there's always opportunity. Uh, if you're going to start on any kind of CX transformation, start with what is uh, a good CX to you and your, your company. Well, maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll give you mine. And then um, maybe it's a setup for uh, what we were talking about in the green room. And, and for me, what I see it as sort of one of those individuals that spent my 25 plus years in organizations like SAP, like TELUS, um, in the people and culture, you know, human resources space, that perhaps customer experience actually is the uh, beneficiary of, of being part of the human experience. And so I kind of liken it to this, um, you know, the infinity model where on one side, you've got CX customer experience. On the other, other side, you've got employee experience. And sort of you've got to have this like weaving motion of infinity that we are all humans, like humans that treat humans well will serve each other better. So how do you, um, I suppose right now, think of customer experience also um, being affected by the employee experience? Well, that's a different question. 
<laughs> but that's a different question. Um, my only caution in, in first, I totally agree with what you said. So let me sort of put that aside. But the moment you start to expand it into people and the moment you start to, I'm talking about the definition of CX. Yep. An employee, it becomes this aircraft carrier of, of definition that sometimes can be overwhelming. So uh, yes, I agree. It's, it's, it's the benefit of a compelling and meaningful employee experience, which includes satisfaction, engagement, commitment, and loyalty from your employees. Uh, those that speak with customers, deal with customers, but also those that design products for customers. Wow. Um, you know, there is this... Um, symbiotic relationship between the two. Uh, I would say that for me, um, EX is employee experience is the missing link to growth for companies. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's not a new statement. Happy employees leads to happy customers, leads to greater growth rates and happier shareholders. And, you know, you and I were not the first people to sort of say that <laughs> no. uh, for sure. Um, a lot of people have. Uh, but I, I just spent the last two years um, doing primary research on looking at the causation of those two things on growth rates. And I think that has really been groundbreaking research that we had not yet seen pretty consistently and definitely not globally, definitely not B2B, B2C. And we picked a, a handful of, of verticals and industries. Um, but once again, I think that you know what you sell is interesting, how you sell is interesting, how a customer feels when they engage with your brand is, is really what that customer experience conversation is all about. But Equally important, you can't have a compelling customer experience if your employees are unhappy. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this is fascinating. So let's 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 dig a little deeper. Now, in my experience, at least, you know, I find it difficult uh, for leaders to both quantify and qualify um, the importance that an employee can play in sort of creating that enriched kind of great customer experience because many leaders are so uh, you know, the tactics are EBITDA, you know, the outputs, you know, all the resulting outcomes that relate back to quantifiable figures. So why is that? Why is it that, you know, we, leaders have difficulties sometimes figuring out right across the employee set, whatever the role is, how they can all actually play a part in that great customer experience? Well, I, I think there's a few things. Look, over the last sort of 15 years, customer experience has been the hot topic. Um, I was part of the team, as you mentioned, I was a prior research fellow at Gartner. Um, I was part of the team that made the prediction that the chief marketing officer would spend more on technology than the chief information officer. Hmm. And, and it, people were like, wait, what? No way, right? <laughs> right? But what ended up happening was Salesforce, Microsoft, SAP, Oracle, all went out and bought into that marketing technology stack, knowing that that was going to be a spend area um, that may not be controlled by the usual buyer of tech, the chief information officer. Now, the reason we made that prediction was it was married or tied to the fact that we believed customer experience was going to become the next sort of brand battleground, right? Mm -hmm. Where they were going to be fighting, you know, is it not going to be on speeds and feeds and price that it is really going to be about this experience. Um, and we were early, but we had no idea how far that statement and how far businesses were going to go, you know, journey mapping, net promoter scores, right? Looking at oh. all the attributes underneath customer experience and all the technology that's been acquired um, and developed in order to enhance that experience. 
But over time, what has happened is as we have improved the experience for our customers by reducing the effort and friction, creating this seamless experience, regardless of channel, personalization, predictability, kind of all the buzzwords that wrapper um, delivering a great customer experience, we have not done the same for the employee. As a matter of fact, in most cases, the effort for the employee has gone up while the experience they've had has gone down. They've been asked to do more with less. They've been asked to manage and navigate multiple technology solutions to do their job. Most of the time, those solutions are not integrated. They're not sharing data. The same things I was just saying on the customer side, right? Make it seamless and predictable and make it feel like I'm dealing with one company. Well, do you have those same conversations when it comes to, let's just talk about customer service agents because they're the most obvious from a customer experience connection. Yeah. And, and you could argue that that's not the case. And in that research um, that I was just speaking about, seamless technology was the greatest disconnect between employees and the C-suite when it came to what are the things that are holding their companies back from growth, where employees had it tied for number one. It really hurts their ability to deliver great experiences, to do their job and drive growth for the company. And on the C-suite side, it came out as, as top eight. It came out as number six. So employees think it's number one, C-suite thinks it's number six. And I think we could all argue it's impossible to deliver a compelling experience today without using technology in some way. Mm -hmm. A little bit of uh, C-suite attribution error in the midst there, it seems. Um, yeah, a di total disconnect, right? Some of that is because executives don't have, their day-to-day -day job <laughs> is not reliant on technology, <laughs> where if you're talking about a call center agent who has to open a ticket see the past buying uh, you know, of that particular client, maybe provide a refund, send out a replacement of that, send a shipping label for them to send. You know, there's five or six things they have to do. And the average enterprise has some 900 apps, just all up, sort of all up, not just around customer experience. And only 27 to 29% of those applications are integrated. And the bearer of that lack of integration is the employee. Going back to what I was saying, customer experience improved, effort went down on the employee side, effort went up, experience went down. We did not stay in lockstep you know, as we transitioned from being product-led to customer-led and really leaning into that sort of digital enabled fourth industrial revolution, whichever term you, you prefer. When we turn that corner, we just really uh, have left the employee behind. So interestingly, uh, in many organizations, you've got there for the back office and the front office, right? And front office, if I can just be so cheeky, where yeah. that's, that's sales and marketing. It's where you know, you're trying to go sell and offer your services. It's post-implementation consultants and so on. And then your back office would be your finance, you know, your IT, your HR. Is there something you've learned then about where uh, the sort of the CX plus EX combination is going that the, the back office, front office teams need to either unite or is there nuggets there you've learned from your research the last couple of years to say, this is what we should be doing going forward? Well, great question. And I would say the HR finance, those kinds of back office applications are not ones I believe 
need to be integrated in the way we're talking about, right? So some of that 900 app is going to carve out and never be integrated. But let's just say 50% of them need to be integrated. We're still woefully under integrated when it comes to those front office um, capabilities, right? That front to your point, right? Those customer facing employees. And so if you dissect that a little bit, I think it's 52% of the C-suite thinks that the technology they're they're, uh, providing is effective and efficient which then means 48% know it isn't, which that's a whole nother <laughs> right. conversation. Yeah. And then like 36% of employees agree that the technology that's being provided is effective and efficient. So you have a lot of room, remember that disconnect between the two. But the one that was most powerful to me was only 20% of customer facing employees believe the technology they're provided is effective and efficient for them to provide those compelling experiences and drive growth for the business. So Hmm. the, the concept would be that does the CIO start to come out and say, hold on, we've spent so much time on that improving customer experience, right? And the CIO has been involved in that. So Mm -hmm. that connection of back office, front office, uh, but have they done the same on the employee side? Meaning, do they just say, here's your laptop, here's your phone, you know, here's your badge, you know, here's your credentials to log into the systems, here are the tools we use, go free, right? Welcome to the company. But it's also about training. It's about feedback loop. It's about making sure that in order to do the job, that the integration is happening, which for all intent and purposes is the responsibility of the CIO. If it's not going to be the CIO, then who is it? Mm. Where would that responsibility fall? You know, if I had to open a ticket, provide credit, create a shipping return label, uh, reship out new product, I've just touched multiple systems, right? You got the manufacturing, the warehouse, you've got finance for credit, and you might have logistics for the shipping label and those kinds of things. You might have service for opening of a ticket. I've just talked about four or five things. I'm a call center rep. And my (laughs) metric is get off the phone in three minutes, like get off the phone in three minutes. It's like, I can't even find the information I'm looking for in three minutes, yet you want me off the phone in three minutes. So I'm either going to rush the customer off the phone and provide this horrible experience, I'm going to pass them to someone else, like (laughs) kick the can down the road. So someone else has to deal with it. Or I'm going to stay on the phone for six or seven minutes. And then I get flagged that, you know what, Tiffany, you talk too much on the phone. Like you've got to get off the phone in half the amount of time. And in my head, I'm going, I really want to, I really want to get off the phone. Like I do not wake up every day wanting to just be hunting and pecking for information and having upset clients and getting in trouble. Like that's not what I wake up and aspire to do, right? (laughs) I wake up and I'm in this job because I want to be of service to our customers and provide a great experience. And I love what I do. And the scenario you've just created for me as an employee is I'm not happy in my job. And we just started this whole conversation with if they're not happy, the, unfortunately the brunt force of that ends up being the customer you know, so there's a lot to be said for understanding to your question, Dan, right? Where does that responsibility fall? How can we start to uncover where in these organizations there's room for improvement and who is responsible for employee experience? And through the research we found, number one, nobody is responsible for EX. Like there wasn't an executive responsible for employee experience. 
similar to that chief customer experience officer or CCO, right? The chief human resource officer is not responsible for EX based on how we just described it. The second was companies were collecting all this data about either how unhappy or happy customers were, I mean, employees, excuse me, where there was room for improvement and companies were not doing anything with that data. So it has huge implications to a company's ability to continue to provide these compelling experiences if employees aren't happy. Which there seems to be perhaps, and I'm not suggesting to put words in your mouth, but some uh, dripping irony in so much that the CHROs and the heads and people of culture, et cetera, are uh, for the most part responsible for whatever that employee engagement metric might be. They partner with Aon, they partner with Gallup, whomever, right, to kind of take a pulse on how the culture is manifesting inside the organization. Yet, it doesn't seem as though in your research that CHROs and heads of people of culture are actually holding on to the bag that is, well, you know what, maybe we need to deprecate some of these systems. Maybe we need to integrate some of these systems with the employee uh, in mind so that they can thus serve the customer better. Is this a fair assumption in my, my stead here? So I'd say, yes, it's kind of the same coin, two sides. You've got that, you know, Gallup engagement survey. Are you engaged? Would you refer us to a friend? Do you like working here? Like those, those general HR related questions, which by the way, I think are extremely important to do, obviously. And you may be saying, look, we had a 29% satisfaction score. We've gone up to 36%. All good, right? If you're going to do those kinds of surveys and look at the data and then go to improve and the CHRO is held accountable for that. Um, I, I think that's all goodness. But what's missing then is asking those questions around those, we uncovered sort of a handful of levers um, that the employee really feels is not being paid attention to when it comes to that connection with customer experience. I want to be really clear. Mm -hmm. The research was not about, you know, DE&I and recruitment efforts and onboarding and all that HR is responsible for. It was very specific at that intersection of when an E touches a C, like right there, that's where we were focused. Um, otherwise, right, it, it, it's too big of a sort of, you know, a hill to climb. If we could focus in on, on that customer experience and employee experience at those moments that matter, that, that's where we're really where we paid attention. So the first other side of that coin would be if you're doing net promoter score, hmm. do ENPS. Yeah. And then, and but don't ask the E like, you know, how happy are you to be an employee here? Go, okay, Mr. Miss call center agent, you just close that ticket. Boom, pop up an ENPS or how satisfied, you know, how much, you know, effort did you have to expend high or low, right? Um, was it easy for you to find the information you were looking for? Like right on the pulse of, I just closed a ticket or I just had to ship a new product or I had to do something that you actually survey at that moment for the employee around that job task that they mm. just completed. That's very different there. Are you satisfied? Are you engaged? Are you committed? Do you feel like you have a voice? Like all very important, all very important. But I'm talking about just at that tactic role level, which is where we seem to see the greatest dissatisfaction as it relates to providing those great experiences for customers. And is that because, as you mentioned, uh, Tiffany, and alluded to the number of 
systems that either uh, are not integrated, get in the way, or in fact, aren't even available so that, you know, the customer service rep whose responsibility is thinking solely about average call handle time, obviously as a metric to serve that customer. But there's so many um, thick molasses, if you will, getting in the way of doing their job. They just want it. They want a, a clear path. Is that kind of where we're going? Yeah, they want a clear path. And, you know, a lot of the hurdles we found and the issues we uncovered were internally created. <laughs> it, some of it is internal inertia. It's the way we've always done it. Like that's a whole conversation. Yeah. Another conversation is, well, I am trying to have ownership, fiefdom, mm. you know, silo. These are the metrics I'm responsible for. So that's what I'm managing against sort of forget about everybody else, right? That kind of um, ownership of assets, budget, power, whatever you want to call it. There's that. Um, there is the lack of transparency between the groups that have impact. So to the point, I mean, I said it fairly quickly, nobody owning EX. If you went to a chief human resource officer or the person who was responsible for HR and asked, who owns EX, they might say, well, first, what do you mean by EX? <laughs> right. We might start there. Yeah. But let's say we define it, right? Well, the experience an employee has working here, like it's just like, can they do their job? Is it easy? Is it seamless? All the questions we ask on the customer side, are we asking it on the employee side? And if we just pick systems again and seamless tech, I then go right to, if you're a large enough size organization, obviously, when was the last time the CHRO sat down with the CIO and talked about employee experience? Like how many systems does a call center rep need to get into in order to do their job, right? All the things we just talked about. Is anyone having that conversation outside of the call center manager who's, you know, being sort of managed from the top down on how many calls, how many people, how many heads, how many, you know, what's the productivity metric versus saying, hold on a second, we can no longer run our call center as a cost center. We have to shift our mentality to move it from a cost center to a revenue generation engine, the same way we moved from to customer experience, the same way we move from customer service to customer success, the same way we move from sales ops to rev ops, the same. I mean, we've made naming pivots, mm. which, which I'm, I'm all for as long as there's actually behavior pivots that follow it. And the fastest way to get behaviors to change is to change the metrics that the people are managed by. And, and that's where middle management gets really trapped. Individuals saying, this is not working for us. Senior managers going, it has to be managed this way because that's the way we run our business, right? It's, it's cost, it's profit, it's head, it's asset, right? People are assets. If they leave, we just replace asset. Like they don't think about it from an experience standpoint. Um, and I think that was the greatest, I don't want to say aha for me, but it was definitely something I was not expecting. I was not expecting such a large disconnect between what we do for customers. You know, one of the other things we found was executives saying like, you know, customers are the most important and kind of at the expense of all else. Yes, our employees are important. It's important to me, it's, but don't forget that we are all about the customer. And this isn't an either or, this is an and play. And I think hmm. that ambidextrous, opposable mind thinking um, right. is really difficult for leaders to, to navigate through. 
I'm of a certain vintage, Tiffany, that uh, I do remember the BPR days known as business process reengineering, where these days I often talk about it should be behavior process reengineering. Is this an opportunity to actually go through with the various senior leaders in the front and the back office to do a new kind of behavior process reengineering? Yeah, absolutely. And I think just think about journey mapping. Mm. Think about user experience. You know, think about the things that we've done in understanding those process flows for customers. And have we ever done it for employees? And if so, when and how often? I think areas that are really missed is change management, to your point. You know, if, if a process, um, do all the processes, are they still relevant? We've added new technology. Does that process still make sense? We've bought a company. We've launched a new product. Do the processes still make sense? Um, and areas that get Uh, minimized or budget gets cut when new projects launch from my days of selling technology was always training. Like, oh, we don't have enough of a training budget. Our people can figure it out is a horrible way to get adoption and usage of the, the power behind the tools like Salesforce and others that are available today. I mean, it's just, it's not possible to tell someone just go, you know, figure it out. It used to be much different. Um, So training is one and the other is to that real rigor um, and commitment to making sure that the processes don't get out of date and get in the way of what employees need to do to satisfy what customers need from them, but also, and more importantly, reducing the effort and what an employee needs to do to do their job. And I don't mean automate it to remove the employee. That's not Mm -hmm. what I mean. I mean, allow the employee to add that value technology can't on the human relationship, connection, personal sort of advancement of that that connection between the brand and the employee, um, it's not meant to be handled exclusively by technology. And so if the human is spending all their time navigating bad tech and bad processes, they're never able to show up with the human relationship that we really want to bring forward and let technology take care of those redundant, repetitive tasks from a productivity standpoint. Um, People get nervous about it from a replacement and it's not about replacement. It's really about that enhancement and allowing the human to do what only humans can do. Well, it leads me to my penultimate question before we find out more about you and when the new book's coming. Um, So have we reached that point, Tiffany, where finally some might argue that we can we can now work towards, you know, a company culture that's equally looking at sort of the humanity, the behavioral, you know, the care, the empathy, the, you know, the, the places in which we need to be thinking about the, the human being plus, you know, serving that customer rather than it just being like, whatever we do, we've got to do it for the customer. We've got to kind of dial it back a bit and, and look for those integrative components. Uh, I hope so. I mean, I think, to, as you mentioned, you know, I'm working um, on my second book, which is really based on a lot of this research, uh, probably 60 or 70 percent of the of, of the findings are, are really shared in the book, um, is I would say that the pandemic was a natural catalyst mm. to shine a light on the lack of investments that have happened around employee for the last three or four decades. I mean, we, we kind of can't hide behind it, right? They're voting by leaving. They're voting by just similar to the loyalty of customers, like that conversation, but the loyalty of our employees. It can't be 
well, why would we train them and spend all that money developing developing them if they're just going to leave? It's like, well, what if you don't and they stay? Like <laughs> there's there's so much behind that. So I think that the pandemic for all the things it was, it was awful, um, has really started a dialogue around the importance of paying attention to employee voice. What is important to them? How do we invest in career and development and you know fair pay for fair work? And how do we allow this dynamic between working in the office and you know working from home? And how do we keep connection and teams and collaboration available? It's definitely gotten more complex, but I feel like we're having the right conversations. But I'd say pre-pandemic, we were definitely talking about purpose over profit, which is you know really what. Uh, my CEO, Mark Benioff, has been, you know, expounding for many, many years, right? That business is the greatest platform for change and leading with the heart and the business roundtable and all the things that are happening around, let's make sure we leave the planet better by being here and our communities better um, and allowing our employees to show up and be their true selves and all those things that was definitely happening before the pandemic. But within that, I still don't think employee was... Um, really at the forefront of the conversation. And I think that through the last two, two and a half years, that has definitely bubbled up. Edelman did some research that over the last decade, customer was sort of the number one stakeholder to future success of the business. And this year, 2022, it was the first time employee came out as number one. So we are definitely seeing this transition. But now what I hear most of the time is, okay, now what? I hear a now what? I also hear if it's so obvious, like where we started this, happy employees lead to happy customers, happy customers, you know, spend more money. They come back more. They talk about it. it's so obvious and been so obvious for so long. Why weren't more people paying attention to that connection? Like you said, that infinity loop, that virtuous cycle of one feeding the other. I don't have the answer to why that is the case. I think it was really just this lack of willingness to do the hard work um, back to the rigor and metrics and management um, that goes around that. They were scratching the surface with, you know, great place to work or, you know, the Gallup research or, you know, whatever other survey, uh, you know, you want to use, uh, Glassdoor, whatever it is. Um, they kind of use that as their litmus test where it just missed all the other things that were involved in an employee doing their day-to-day -day job. Well, I'll, I'll say this, that uh, in 2014-15, when I was writing my second book called The Purpose Effect, you know, I, I reached out to Salesforce and Salesforce.org to sort of understand a little bit about what your organization was doing from an employee perspective to support purpose and uh, ergo the 1% pledge and all the things that go on inside of Salesforce from yeah. a cultural perspective. It's just been incredible. I've always looked up to Salesforce, a shining beacon of both hope and example uh, between yourself and, and Mark Benioff and everyone around the team there, you, you, you really are a, a shining light on how you can um, think about your culture from the vantage points of CX and EX and still drive meaning and, and operate with that purpose over profit mentality. You, uh, my, my hats are off. All my hats are off to you, Tiffany, and the team. Yeah, Where I would tell you, we just crossed 7 million volunteer hours as a company, which... Uh, you know, over the 22 or 23 years, 7 million volunteer hours by our employees. Um, we get uh, so many days a year to volunteer. We get paid for those volunteer days. 
um, and, and trying to make impact at the executive level. We adopt a school, like we do a lot of things, um, plus giving software to, you know, tens of thousands of not-for-profits for free. I mean, and, and I think we've, we've also been able to attract a lot of other companies with the 1% pledge, you know, that part of the organization to, follow in our footsteps and it may not be the entire company it may be divisions that they started and find their way but lots of startups especially digital natives have tried to replicate it so it's listen it's the reason i joined salesforce so you know i'm thrilled that that you agree that it's just really a special place i uh i just honestly i just wanted to make mention of that because uh yes we had a great chat about cx and ex and thank you for that but uh where you ply your trade at Salesforce is just an exemplar that many others should and could look to. Where can we find out more about Tiffany uh, and hopefully uh, news more about the next book? So the next book will be 2023. Apparently there's supply chain issues with paper. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Thank you, pandemic. Yep. Yep. So it was supposed to be this year, but I, but you know, fingers crossed that it will be uh, in Q1, close to Q1 uh, in 2023. Um, but, you know, my first book, Growth IQ, is out there uh, translated in nine languages, Audible, Kindle. Um, interestingly enough, uh, I missed employee completely in the 10 paths to growth. I talked about customer experience, but missed employee. So this next book is sort of my mea culpa on coming back around. And, and, uh, and I would tell you a lot of it has to do with what I learned about the power of culture working here and, and how it absolutely has an impact on us being the fastest growing enterprise software company and super innovative and one of the greatest places to work around the world. If it's not in the top, you know, if it's not number one, it's in the top five. Um, and, and, and I would say that uh, it has been an amazing journey to do this new research. So I, you know, I look forward to having uh, uh, it come out, but, you know, I've got the podcast. We talk about it all the time. Um, I'm, I'm fairly prolific, uh, prolific on uh, social media. So please follow me. And I'd love to hear feedback, you know, on what you think, um, you know, resonated with our conversation today. And I always love hearing what you don't agree with. That's, that's where the real learning happens for me. Uh, well, you're a gem. Continue what you're doing. I look forward, hopefully, to having you back here. And we'll chat about the new book next year in 2023. Tiffany Boa, thank you so much. Uh, power to you. Oh, thanks for having me.